This is Dr. Hubert, and you're listening to The Dr. Hubert Show. Hello, friends. Welcome to The Dr. Hubert Show. I am super excited to spend this time with you today. Uh, today's an exciting day. Today is my birthday. So June 19th, 1979 is the day that Dr. Hubert entered this world. And uh, obviously, being my birthday birthday and birthday month, birthday week, all that good stuff is exciting. But, uh, you know, June comes for me, it comes with a lot of mixed emotions. Um, anytime it's your birthday, I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's an exciting thing, an exciting time. But uh, I always think back on all the great birthdays that I had as a child, uh, all, the, you know, all the gifts and the parties and all the things we did. I can just about name what I did for every one of my uh, childhood birthdays. And obviously, as you get older, they become, they seem like they're a little less and less dramatic or important. But I always think about 17 years ago, uh, what I was doing on my birthday. So in June of 2000, 2004, my mother was literally on her deathbed from brain cancer. And I was in chiropractic school and really, really struggling there. It was really a, a big transition period for me. It was a rough start, a rough, rough time. And she had gone through about two years of fighting her cancer. And my, her and my father had really done everything that they knew to do at the time uh, to try to save her life. But it had all resulted in the doctor sending her home uh, to die. And I spoke to her on June the 18th, 2004, about nine, nine o'clock, about 9 p.m. I spoke to her on the phone and something just told me, it spoke to my soul, it spoke to my gut. I could just feel, I said, I don't believe she is going to live through the night. And I remember thinking, God, please, please, please don't let her die on my birthday. And that was one of the most difficult times in my life because I thought, oh my gosh, every birthday for the rest of my life, all I'm going to think about is my mother dying. So I lived in Dallas at the time. She was in Andrews, Texas, where I was born and raised. And I just packed a bag as quick as I could. I jumped in the car and I drove to go tell her bye. And I had this just this need to go tell her bye. I knew she may not live through the night, but I was at least going to try to see her one more time before she left this earth. So I drove all the way to Andrews, Texas, got there about two o'clock in the morning, and then I was torn. I remember quietly unlocking the door and sneaking in the house, and, and I sat on the couch and I started thinking, well, uh, if I go in her room, I may startle my father, which may get me shot because I do live in Texas and we do, uh, we do have guns on in every drawer. But my main concern was, uh, I may startle him. He may startle her and may cause her to have a heart attack. I mean, I was sitting here thinking, should I go in and say bye now or should I wait until morning? And then I thought, well, the right thing to do is probably wait until the sun comes up. He gets up pretty early. Maybe she'll wake up as well about the same time and then I can tell her by then. But then I was torn. I was like, well, what if she dies between now and morning? I just spoke to her and I just knew that she wasn't gonna live much longer. So I remember laying on the couch wide awake thinking every minute, should I go in there and tell her bye? and potentially scare her to death, literally scare her to death, or should I wait until morning, see what happens? And I didn't sleep at all, I didn't sleep a wink. I was just, every moment was this long ongoing debate and I just really couldn't figure out exactly what to do. I prayed about it, I thought about it, I tried to weigh out the advantages, disadvantages. 
Um, by that time, it was about 6.30 in the morning. My dad came in and he said, son, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I just came to see mom one last time. I can just tell she's not doing all that great. And he said, let me see if I can get her awake. And uh, so he went back in her room. She was in a hospital bed that they had actually placed in their bedroom. And he went and got her up and uh, he told her somebody was here to see her. And I went in there and she said, hey, Jay, how are you doing? And uh, that's the first time she had recognized anybody in six weeks. So when they sent her home to die, basically what happened is they would they would shoot. My dad would give her morphine every hour on the hour. And basically what he was doing is always checking her pulse every 30 minutes. If her pulse was elevated, he would give her more morphine. If her pulse was okay, that means her pain was somewhat moderate. And uh, he would just wait a little longer until the next next dose of morphine. So she was pretty much out of it most of the time. But as soon as I walked in the room, she knew exactly who I was. And she told me how beautiful the day was and how it was such a beautiful morning and how glad she was to see me. And... The same thing I heard in her voice the night before is exactly what I saw in her eyes when she was laying in that bed. I saw I saw the death I saw death and I knew the end was coming. I knew we were close. And and through all this, I was just amazed by God being able to do what God does because um, she hadn't recognized anybody in six weeks. And we had a conversation. It was about two or three minutes before she kind of faded away and the morphine kind of got her. But uh, it was so. It was so peaceful and so rewarding, and I just thank God for that two or three minutes that he gave gave me with her where she was totally coherent, and she hadn't been that way in weeks or months. So um, basically, I ended up leaving there that day because I had a test. I had a test coming up the following Monday, and I had to rush back to Dallas and, and, and take more tests, and that was kind of what my life consisted of at that point, and I just remember... I remember driving back to Dallas and I was just somewhat numb. My face was numb, my feet were numb, my legs were numb, probably wasn't in the best condition to be driving, but I just had to do what I had to do. So I just remember thinking, you know what, this is, this is, this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on a mission. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get through this school. I was already in a pretty big deficit, pretty big hole. Things wasn't going well. It was a lot harder than what I expected it to be. And it, it really added fuel to my fire. It gave me the fuel I needed. It put a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. She, uh, she ended up passing away on June the 27th of 2004. But some awesome things happened in the meantime. So my, my parents celebrated their 30th wedding anniversary on June the 21st of 2004. And uh, that, was, that was a pretty awesome thing. That was one of the, one of the things that was, was great is that they were able to celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary. And she died a few days later on June the, June the 27th. And, you know, the whole purpose of this show today is just to remind you with each and every birthday that, um, you know, this is an opportunity to have an, a positive impact on somebody else's life. But it's also a great reminder, reminder of how precious life really is. I mean, this this experience is short in the grand scheme of things, and it really ultimately boils down to how we can help one another and what can we do to have a positive impact on society. Uh, we should never spend our time tearing one another down or being critical. We should always be, be creative, but most importantly, we've got to enjoy what we do each and every day because it can come to an abrupt end. My mother, she didn't drink. She didn't smoke. She exercised regularly. She was a second grade teacher. I, the most of my memories of my mother were either ironing clothes 
watching the young and the restless or, or, uh, or grading papers. I mean, she graded paper after paper after paper after paper. And, and that's really what I remember. I remember this really quiet, petite woman. She was really small. She was about 4'11". She claimed to be five foot, but she was about 4'11", about 90 pounds and absolute fire and fury. She was that old school teacher that would smack your bottom when you needed it. She demanded your best. Didn't matter what your best was and your best wasn't going to be compared to anyone else, but she was going to get the best out of you. She demanded it. So this all of a sudden, you know, at 50 years old, here she is and really didn't make uh, what I saw as a bunch of uh, extreme critical mistakes. And here she was on her deathbed at 50. And that just goes to remind you just how how short life really is. I mean, it, it doesn't take long. It was just literally one little hiccup. She goes to the hospital for one little thing. It's, she was actually at the hospital have her gallbladder removed when they found cancer in her lung. And it didn't really seem like it was going to be a big deal. It was one little spot the size of a green pea. And within 18 months, it had metastasized to her brain. And she had over 600 tumors in her brain. And there wasn't much anybody could do other than to watch her die. And on the way basically just drug her to keep her comfortable. So um, as as that kind of played out and she she passed away, I remember I remember my father apologizing to me and he came up, we were the last people we were the last people to leave the church at her funeral. And this was the second largest funeral at the time that Andrews, Texas had ever seen. And we're standing at the front of the church and he said, I'm sorry, Jay, I'm sorry. And I said, sorry for what? And he said, I'm sorry I couldn't save your mother. And my father's belief was if he had time and he had money that he could fix anything. And he had both and he couldn't save my mother's life. And that crushed him. That absolutely crushed him because he thought he was prepared for situations like that. But um, but he couldn't do it, you know, so when it's, it's your day, you know, when it's your day, it's your day and there's, it's inevitable. Um, there are things we can do to, to make our life and our existence better, but we really need to live, live each and every day as it is our, our last day, because we just never know. Sometimes it's drawn out where it may take years or months for you, for you to pass away, but other times it happens really quick. Uh, his death, he passed away in, 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 uh, November of 2019. He was on the golf course on Saturday and dropped dead on Sunday, and his health was really pretty good. He had an aortic aneurysm, which is historically one of the fastest ways to die. So uh, as great as it is being my birthday month, I never thought my life was going to be like this. I never thought I would be sitting here uh, celebrating my 42nd birthday and both of my parents have moved on. I don't have any brothers and sisters. I don't have any siblings. So it's just kind of a weird place in my life, but I am so thankful. I am so thankful for all the things that have happened because rather than choose to blame all the shortcomings in my life on my parents' early departure, uh, that is what has fueled me to be better each and every day. I mean, I hear my mother's voice every day. I hear my father's voice every day. I hear them telling me when I'm when I'm tired, frustrated, ag aggravated. Um, you know, when they, when people do things to me that are totally unfair and totally uncalled for, um, I still hear them telling me to make wise decisions. You know, don't don't act out of emotion. Use your brain. Use your common sense. You're a smart guy. You're going to get through this, and. At no point have I ever thought the best thing for me to do is self-sabotage. You know, I've never had the desire to drink excessively or drug excessively or 
use reckless behavior because of the things that happened to me. The things that have happened to me are the things that fuel me and those are the things that will keep fueling me and each and every day I see it as an opportunity to be a better person. To me, that's the best part about birthdays at this point. I've got, I've got all the gifts that I could ever want. Um, luckily, I, most of the time when I see something I want, I'm able to get it. So I don't want for a whole lot of things, but the best part about birthdays is not gifts. The best part is, it's another opportunity to serve at a higher level, to be able to give more, contribute, have a positive impact on society, make a difference in somebody else's life. And from this show to what I do day in and day out in practice, that's really what it's all about. Uh, as the story played out after my mom passed, it was, it was so many amazing things. Uh, what I call the greatest love story ever told came from that series of events. events. So uh, my mother died June 27, 2004, and uh, every year for my, my mother's birthday, her birthday was November 30th, and every year my father would always go to her grave for her birthday, and he would go and take flowers out first thing in the morning. The flower shop actually got to where they knew he was coming. They would have the flowers ready. It's the perks of living in a small town. They would have the flowers ready. He would pick them up about 8 o'clock in the morning when they when they first opened and he would go out and he'd spend the morning at her grave with her and he'd put these flowers out and he'd spend his time with her and usually a couple hours and um, and then he would he would go to lunch and then he'd go back in the afternoon and spend a little more time with her and then they had this thing they did they always went to eat at Red Lobster for both of their birthdays so for his birthday they would go to Red Lobster for her birthday they'd go to Red Lobster and they would always sit at the same table and he would go to Red Lobster in the afternoon and or in the evening and he would wait. He would wait on the table that they always sat in to become vacant. So if somebody just started, he'd wait a little longer. Sometimes it was empty, he was able to get right in, but he would always request to sit at that table, but he would make sure and not rush the people that were sitting there. He would just wait until it was his turn to sit at that table. He would sit there and in his head, he was having dinner with her on her birthday and then he would go back by then it was getting dark he would tell her good night tell her he loved her and he would go home well he did this for for uh 16 consecutive years okay so so for 16 years uh excuse me for 15 years he never missed no matter what he was doing in the world no matter how busy he was no matter if he was traveling he would cut trips short he would always make sure to be there on her birthday and Ironically, he died on uh, November the 26th of two, uh, uh, November the 26th of 2019, which was just a few days before her birthday. And we were actually that was a Tuesday. We were actually able to lay him to rest on November 30th of 2019 on her birthday. So on a day that he normally would have spent taking her flowers and visiting her multiple times, we were able to lay him to rest right next to her on her birthday. So sometimes in life you think God may have forgot about you. Uh, sometimes you think God may be punishing you for things you've done in your past, but let me tell you, uh, God speaks in miraculous ways. So as painful as it was to abruptly and unexpectedly lose my father, um, I really couldn't argue with, with his plan, his design, because I remember my dad always saying, he said, when I die, I want to die quick. And when I looked at the preliminary autopsy report, because I really didn't know what happened to him until a few days later, after it was even after his funeral, before I found out what happened to him, I opened this envelope, and the first line it said, "Dissecting aortic aneurysm." 
And all I could do is giggle and laugh because I'm like, who gets to call their shots all the way to their grave? I mean, he was a business guy. He was a winner. He had a lot of success in his life. And he was a, he was the first person in his family to go to college. He was the first person to graduate from college. He served in the Vietnam War. He was a Marine. He was citizen of the year. He, I mean, he did all these accolades, all these things he'd done. He had an executive position for Texaco. He's one of the first minorities to ever do that. He just went on and on and on and on and on about all the things he'd done in his life. He was the first minority county commissioner. He served uh, in eight, eight years doing that. He probably had a very positive impact on his community and his town. But when I asked him one time, I said, what is your most proud accomplishment? And he said, uh, without hesitation, he said, of all the things I've done and all the success I've had, my proudest accomplishment was when I said, till death do us part, I actually did it. And I'll tell you, that's the greatest love story ever told. So in the middle of grief, turmoil, heartache, pain, um, just grow a little closer to God, listen to God, pay attention to God, God provides all the answers, all the comfort, all the support you'll ever need. And uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week. Y'all have a blessed weekend.